Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You're a great hint at what God's given for you to do. And so if, you, if you're aware of gifts that you have, gifts from the Lord, then those are a great indication that maybe God wants me to use this gift for his glory. And you pray that way. But we don't want to resist it. I've heard of people, I know God calling me to preach, but you know, I'm just running from that calling. For what? What you gonna you gonna run and you gonna run and fall into something? Don't run from the call, don't run from the Lord. You wanna go towards the Lord. Have you ever felt as though you weren't certain as to what your calling in the Lord might be? As easy as it can be for us as believers to overcomplicate our calling, it's typically far less difficult than it needs to be. Do you have any specific talents? As Pastor Bill will teach you in his message today, it's very likely that God desires for you to use the talents and skills he's blessed you with for his kingdom. In his study, you'll learn how your calling is often in line with the skills you might have. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 2, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. God wanted the Levites to serve him in a, in a different way. You guys are going to have a, a, a single focus in serving. You guys won't be going out to war when everybody else goes out to war. So what if you were born a Levite, but you had a warrior spirit in you? You just said, man, everybody else was getting, you know, sharpening up spears and getting their, you know, swords together. And you over there baking showbread, you know, <laughs> it's like whatever your role was didn't matter. God's that's your lot that his lot is to go to war. You're going to be over here serving me like this. And I just think it's important that as believers, we embrace what God is doing because you're not going to make God change his mind. Right. If God said you're a Levite, you're not going to be a warrior. You're going to be you're going to be a bread baker for my glory or you're going to you're going to serve me in the temple. And then God's will is God's will. You don't change his will. You can't impose your will on God and make him change his mind about what he called you to do. That's why it's so important when you find out what God's called you to do, you go ahead and start moving in that direction. Don't wait. Don't delay because God's not going to change his mind. It'll be the same in 10 years. God's will for your life. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship, his work of art created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Guys, I've already prepared in advance the good works that you're supposed to do that you should walk in. So I need it rather than spend my life running around trying to figure out what I want to do with it. I need to be seeking the Lord for what he created me to do. God, what have you created me to do? A great indication of what God has created you to do is your gifts. Your gifts are a great hint at what God's given for you to do. And so if, you, if you're aware of gifts that you have, gifts from the Lord, then those are a great indication that maybe God wants me to use this gift for his glory. And you pray that way. But we don't want to resist it. I've heard of people, I know God calling me to preach, but you know, I'm just running from that calling. For what? What you gonna you gonna run and you gonna run and fall into something? Don't run from the call, don't run from the Lord. You wanna go towards the Lord. You wanna embrace what He's called you to do. I hear that a lot of times, guys. I'm just running from my calling, man. I'm just running running why? As though you're gonna find something better. You're not gonna run away from what God called you to do and find something better. You're gonna get yourself in trouble. You're going to run into something you wish you can get out of. And, you know, you'll come back 10 years later with a prison sentence. I'm going to preach now, you know, but you might as well. When you know God's call, you want to jump in there and do what he's called you to do, whatever that is. And so, again, the Levites here, their lot was 
the service. You guys set up the tabernacle because the, the tabernacle was uh, kind of like what we're doing. We, we say our church because we, we set up and tear down every week. We say we're tabernacling. We don't have a permanent dwelling. They didn't they hadn't built a temple yet. So the tabernacle was kind of elaborate and it was a very, very, very large, elaborate tent and it had to be set up just so. And the Levites were the ones trained how to do it. And now I'm not a camper. I don't do much camping. I've camped a little bit in my life, but not very much. But Gabe was going to be taking our junior high kids camping and he needed some tents. So I went to you know my old church and I borrowed some tents and you know we were trying to check them out, take a look at them. And now I have no idea how to set up a tent. And evidently Gabe got out there. and He didn't either. You know, he, he couldn't do it either. Somebody else had to come and bring some other tents. But I have no clue. But there are some guys that this is just what they do. They're campers and they get that tent. and It's like pop, 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 boom, tents up. No problem. And, and they like it. They enjoy it. You know, they just know how to do it. You know, it's like that. The Levites were going to be that group. There wasn't going to be a reason why the people couldn't worship. There wasn't going to be a reason why sacrifices couldn't be made. There wasn't going to be a reason why uh, people couldn't do business with the, the Lord. God said the Levites will be there to make sure this thing is up and it's functioning and it's ready. And from every angle where I place you guys, you'll be looking at me. You'll be looking at the place where you can come and, and be in my presence and be around the people. I'll be the center. I'll be the focus. And this is what I believe is so critical. If you look at verse uh, 17 one more time. The tabernacle of meeting shall move out with the camp of the Levites in the middle or in the midst of the camps as they camp. So they shall move out everyone to his place and their standard. The key word there is in the middle. It's right smack in the middle. Nobody can miss it. Nobody's away from it. And so I would point this out to us. Uh, we're not Old Testament saints. We don't go to the tabernacle. We don't go to the temple. But the Lord still wants to be the center of all of our life. And what a lot of people learn how to do is compartmentalize their relationship with the Lord, where they put God in compartments. So maybe when we come to gather for church right now, God is the center. He's a center of focus at church. Um, but God maybe is not the center of focus at home. God maybe is not the center of focus at work. He may not be the center of focus in your relationships, your marriage, your friendships. He might not be the center of focus in your leisure time. But God said, I want to be the center of focus. I want I want you to make your life in such a way that I'm the center of it all, that that whatever you're choosing to do, I want to be the center of your marriage. I want to be the centerpiece of it. it it'll work out a lot better if he is. I want to be the centerpiece of your friendships. I want to be the right there smack dab in the middle of your friend. If you got friendships that Jesus got to be kicked to the curb, what should happen to those friendships? Because Jesus shouldn't be kicked to the curb, you know. Them, them friendships might need to be kicked to the curb, but not the Lord. If you got people that you get around, when I get around them, I gotta, I gotta put Jesus back somewhere. I gotta, I gotta put that, put him away. You gotta, you gotta watch that. He wants to be the center of everything. There should be nothing I do, nowhere I go, where I say, mm, not this, Lord. You can't be the center of this. He wants to be the center of everything. So we all can evaluate our lives. The way he had established them and set them up here, that's what he would be right smack in the middle of everything. Look at verses 18 through 24. This is the west side. It's my favorite. So on the west side shall be the standard of the forces with Ephraim, according to the armies and the leader of the children of Ephraim shall be Elishama, the son of Emmahud. No, uh, I, I kept looking at that earlier and that's how it looked like it broke down. If you go to a, um, the, if the word you know, key breakdown. It actually is M.I. Hood. So 
that if you guys want to give your son a Bible name right there, am I hood? So he's going to be the leader, Elishima, the son of am I hood or and me hood, however you want to say it. It says, uh, verse 19, and his army was numbered at 40,500. Next to him comes a tribe of Manasseh, and the leader of the children of Manasseh shall be Gamaliel, the son of Peduzer. And his army was numbered at 32,200. Then comes a tribe of Benjamin, and the leader of the children of Benjamin shall be Abidon, the son of G- Gid Enai of 23 and his army was numbered at 35,400. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces with Ephraim, 180,100. They shall be third to break camp. So this third group here, Ephraim and Manasseh and Benjamin. Ephraim and Manasseh were, they were Joseph's sons from Rachel. So, you know, Levi is out because God's got a plan for them. But the, the way we still have 12 tribes is because Joseph's two sons are counted up. So Ephraim and Manasseh are counted there. These are Joseph's sons with Rachel. And then Benjamin was born as Rachel was dying. So when Benjamin was born, his mother died when she gave birth. That was Rachel's son as well. These three uh, represent the West Side, Rachel's kids or Rachel's sons. Now, again, I told you earlier, Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, there was a switcheroo here. The older was not blessed. Uh, the, the younger was given the double portion. The father at the end, as it was you know, being brought over to bless the kids, he switched his hands and it was what God desired. It was it ended up being something sovereign. Ephraim ends up being one of, he ends up being the largest tribe as, as they would go down, uh, ends up being the largest one. So one thing I would point out from there, and I mentioned it earlier, is just how that God is sovereign over everything. And sometimes, God subverts what's normal. He goes, this is what would normally happen, but I'm going to do it like this instead. This is the norm, but this is my will now. And maybe you've been in a circumstance where you were in line for the normal and it got switched on you. Now, nobody complains when it gets switched on you in your favor. That's when you say, oh, favor, favor, not fair. You know, that we love that. But when it gets switched up and it don't look favorable at the moment, we struggle with that. That's when we have to kind of fall back on what we know about the Lord. Is he good? Yes, he's good. Does he know best? Yes, he knows. Does he know what's best for you? Yes, he knows what's best for you. And there are times where you got to fall back on that. I hate to hear believers talking and living and thinking and believing as though men are in control of their outcomes. They didn't give me that job because that person didn't like me. I could tell that, you know, they didn't appreciate this about me. They didn't like me. And it's like, we live above that plane as believers. It may be that they didn't like me, but that's not why I didn't get it. Because my Bible says that God opens doors that no man shuts and he shuts the doors that no man's opens. Proverbs, I think it's 21, one or 20 verse one says the hearts of the kings are in his hands and like the rivers of water, he turns wherever he wishes. So we serve a God that's over everybody. And so men are merely, they're down here. They may open a door for you. They may shut the door on you, but God is the one behind it, right? If it's what God, so if a man opens the door for me, I don't have to nose up behind him. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, God, praise the Lord. God opened the door. If a man shut a door in my face, blam, I don't have to be mad at him, right? God didn't have that for me. And what it, it should do is put the believer in a very stable place. 
where no matter what people are doing all around you, you are trusting that the Lord is sovereign over it all. He knows what's best. And it looked like I was in line for that, but I didn't get it. But then that must not be what God has for me. We would fare a lot better and our peace would be intact a lot more if we live that way, where we really believe that in our day to day life, believe that God was sovereign over everything, not just when it works out in our favor, because nobody stumbles over that. Nobody, nobody mad when the bank makes an error in your favor. You know, you get some extra money. Everybody praise the Lord, but let it go the other way. Um, that's when it's a struggle. That's when it's a challenge. So as believers, though, we got to be careful how we take that. Trusting that in, in every instance, the Lord is good and we need to believe that and we need to live that way. Amen. Last group, uh, verse 25 to 31. Uh, this is the last grouping. Uh, it says the standard of the forces with Dan. So Dan is the last leader shall be on the north side. Uh, according to the armies of the leader of the children of Dan shall be Ahizir, the son of Amishadai. And, uh, and his army was numbered at 62,700. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Asher. And the leader of the children of Asher shall be Pegiel, the son of Akran. And his army was numbered at 41,500. Then comes the tribe of Naphtali. And the leader of the children of Naphtali shall be Ahira, the son of Enon. And his army was numbered at 53,400. All who were numbered of the forces with Dan, 157,600. They shall break camp last with their standards. So the last group here, the north side, we have Dan, Asher, Naphtali. Dan was the firstborn son of Bilhah, who was the maidservant of Rachel. The second son of Zilpha is Asher, who was the maidservant of Leah. And then the second son of Bilhah, uh, which is, again, Rachel's maidservant is Naphtali. Now, I said it earlier just because it's kind of confusing. It's like, well, you know, you got Rachel and you got Leah and they had babies and then you have their maidservants. And again, you have to go back to our study in Genesis where one was having kids, the other was barren. And then the son brought the mandrakes. But before she got pregnant, started having kids, she gave up her handmaiden. When the other one couldn't have kids no more, she felt like she was in jeopardy. So she went and got her handmaiden. And I look back at that thing and I, it looked like a mess. You look like two women that are really that's why you just marry one woman. You know, they, they were in competition. That was a bad situation. And just trying to see who could make sure they had the most kids so they could have the most love from the husband. And, you know, it's a sad situation. You guys know Leah was kind of tricked upon him. He went to marry Rachel and went to the wedding night and the dad switcherooed and, and gave him Leah. And, you know, by the time he woke up in the morning, he had to work another seven years for Rachel. And I've always felt bad for Leah when I read that story. You know, I think, poor girl. But as it comes to the end, he did. He loved her later, you know, but earlier on, it was kind of sad for her. So um, but that's where these kids come from. And this makes up the last camp. This is Dan. Their emblem was the eagle and um, they would break camp last. And once again, uh, I look at them and I think, you know, was that I don't know. They didn't tell us how they felt about being last. Uh, most of us don't like to be last. We want to be first, at least second, third, but not last. But it didn't matter. God said, look, at least you're in the number. At least you belong to me. At least you're counted as mine. And. Sometimes as believers, we can be really worried about just I'm not where I want to be. I'm not, I got last. I didn't get it early enough. I didn't get it soon enough. But 
we just want to get what God gives us when he gives it. God puts you last and I praise God that I'm at least I'm in the count. Some people are not in the number at all. We do live in a world where people are very driven to be first, to be up front and, and will stomp over everybody they can to get there. And here, these group right here, God said, look, this, this group right here is going to be last. You guys will be on the north side. That wasn't prime real estate either, but they would be there and they would fulfill God's will for their life in that area where God had put them. A uh, long time ago, I used to work. Um, I, I used to work at a summer in the summer. I would work at a day camp with a bunch of kids. And what would inevitably happen is, you know, you're lining up to get on the bus to go on a trip. All the boys and all the rough kids would, you know, beat their way to the front, you know, just pushing all the little girls. The, the girls are always in the back. They didn't got shoved all out the way. And any weak boys are shoved backwards. And the kids up in the front are your worst kids, all the knuckleheads. They're all right in front, front and center. Bad, bad, badder, and a little bit badder. You know, they, 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 you go back from that way. So I would let them line up. I'd let them beat everybody back and get all done and line up. And I would say, everybody up against the gate in the straight line. And then I would tell them, everybody do an about face. And I would tell them, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And I just just, just get a, just a big kick out of that. So all the little girls that got stomped over, they get to go pick the best seats. All the little boys that was whimpering because they got punked and beat up, you know, now they get to go on in there. And that group that did all the hustling, and bustling, and worked all, y'all get to be last. That's what it will be like in God's kingdom. There'll be people that just say, God, I'm going to just be where you put me. And didn't fight for it, didn't work hard for it, didn't didn't exert all kind of energy to get there. God just said, let me put you right there. Boom. And there'll be people that were fighting for it. I mean, they were doing wicked things to other people. They were just elbowing people and just doing mean things. And God's, you're going to do all that and be last. You're not going to get where I'm not. You won't end up where I'm trying to take you. So as believers, again, we want to just embrace God wherever you put me. I trust you. You're in charge. Uh, You're the Lord. Last section here, uh, starting at verse 32. These are the ones who were numbered of the children of Israel by their father's houses. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces were six hundred and three thousand five hundred and fifty. But the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Thus, the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they camped by their standards. So they broke camp each one by his family, according to their father's houses. I have just two things and then we're going to close one. I want to point out that the way chapter one ends is very similar to the way chapter two ends. Chapter one, verse 54, as God gave very specific instruction to Moses, it says in verse 54, thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they did it. They ended off in obedience And as you move into chapter two, they're making progress. God's okay. now that we did that. Now I want to do this. Now that I got you broken down, we got everybody 20 and older that can go to war. Now that you've completed that assignment, I got some more for you to do. And so it ends chapter three. I'm sorry, chapter two. Very similar. It says, thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. And we're going to see as we get to chapter three, it begins to be progressive. This is what I want. I just want us to miss this. There are times in the word where God tells them to do something. They don't do it. And you don't see any progress. Nothing. nothing, God doesn't come behind what they didn't obey and give them new instructions. He ends up coming back with the same instructions or discipline, but they don't get new instructions. Right. Some people are frustrated in their walk because God has given them instruction. They haven't obeyed it yet. And so you haven't got step two. 
because you never did step one. But I just want you to see that obedience is progressive. As you obey step one, then God comes with a whole new set of instructions. And you go step two. And as you obey step two, we're going to see next week a whole new set of instructions. And it becomes to be very progressive. They're actually making movement forward. And so if you're stuck in your walk with the Lord, if you feel like things aren't moving forward, things aren't going, you know, things aren't moving forward in my walk with God, it would be a good thing to say, you know, is there somewhere where I have not obeyed? Is there an area where I've, I've not heeded the voice of God? Is there something God's spoken to do or to not do or to, that I've just I've stopped right there that you would like to pick up right there that God could begin to speak anew? It'll be progressive. And I've often, you know, I believe this. I've said it many times that God's not going to give more detailed instruction to someone that's being disobedient to that which is playing right before him. You know, so I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do for ministry, but they're living in sin and their boyfriend, girlfriend relationships. You know, you God's God's speaking to their relationship there. He's already told you, stop that, stop that. And then you can look forward for what else God might want to say. So I want you just to notice that, that we don't just rush over it, that as they obeyed in chapter one, God gave new instruction. They obeyed at the end of chapter two. God's going to give them some more instruction. It's going to be very progressive for them. And then the last thing is that the way that he broke it down, the final piece was the family. You had Israel as a nation, the whole nation of Israel. You had them broken down by their tribes, their father's houses. And then everybody had their families. And we saw it in verse two and we see it in verse 54. The last part, Moses, they commanded Moses. So they camped by their standards. So they broke camp, each one by his family, according to their father's houses. And I would just point this out that as much as it's important that we obviously we're part of the worldwide body of believers, important. It's important that we're looped in to the community of Christ, that we're, we're, we're in fellowship with other believers. That's important, too. It's also critically important, our families. And sometimes that gets skipped over. Sometimes the focus can be the tribe. It can be I'm, I could just be happy to be in and people can forget that. Hey, my, my family is important. I, I have a I have a role in my family. God said I, I, all three are important. He lists them in the beginning of the chapter. He lists them at the end. Yes, by the nation. Yes, by your tribes. And then I want you to take care of your own households, your families. You guys are going to be together. And so I would just encourage us in that. Everybody here is from a family. Now, I don't have time to really go through it, but if you go back and search out some of these folks, it was, it wasn't, everybody's family wasn't perfect. Even as you look at how these babies came about, it wasn't perfect. Everything wasn't great. Everybody's family history ain't shining and sweet, but they're here and, and they're part of a family. Everybody here, your family might not be perfect. You might have some blemishes. You might have some things you're embarrassed and ashamed of, but it's your family. And as those that know the Lord, we want to make sure that we carry the light of Christ and have an impact in our families. If you're blessed to have kids, critical that we pass this thing on to our kids. I don't there's nothing more important I'm going to do for my kids than to pass on Jesus to them. Everything else is extra. Feeding them extra. Clothing them is extra. They need Jesus. They need to know the Lord. That's what I, I that's the goal of parenting is to bring them to him. And so may every parent. Pray for your kids, share with your kids. And some of us have those that are, you know, not heeding and not walking. We pray, just pray, pray and be there when they finally say, okay, I want to, I need to talk to somebody, you know, be available. We, we pray for them until they come to that place. 
But keep that at the forefront. My family. I want my family to know the Lord. God put me in my family. He saved me. Uh, I want to impact my family for the Lord. And so if everybody here that's saved would impact their family for the Lord, whoever's lost in your family, make them a focus. Focus in prayer, focus in your interactions with them. Uh, Let them be a focus that you be the light of Christ to them. You be the one to share it with them. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.